this crowd has gone deadly silent. Cinderella story, out of nowhere, a former greenskeeper now about to become the Masters champion. <clears throat> it looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! It's in the hole! Hey, where you going with those cops, huh? Mr. Gilmore, I'm your chatty. Oh, I'm sorry about that. No, 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 let me carry these, all right? They're my grandfather's. Welcome back to Who's Your Caddy? I'm your host, Matt Ostick. Alongside me is Mac Farley and Jack Cummings. Uh, today, we have been banking an interview with uh, PGA Tour member, U.S. Open participant, Donald Constable. Uh, he played a year on tour, and he's got some great stories to tell us. Boys, what'd you think of the interview? Yeah, this is a fantastic interview, Matt. Uh, really genuine guy. I think he'll gain a lot of fans uh, from this episode. Yeah, I'm really pumped for everyone to hear this interview, and um, you guys will gain a lot of insight from it. Next week, we, we will be back in the Caddyshack placing our bets uh, for our Masters preview. Um, another cool thing about this interview was Donald Constable did get to play, did get to play Augusta. Big uh, time. Yeah, no, some pretty good stories about that, his favorite holes, what it's like to be out there. So we hope you enjoy, and uh, we look forward to hearing from you all next week. Cheers. All right, gentlemen, uh, with us, we have our special guest of the week. We're very excited about this one. Absolute, every single listener is going to know who this guy is. Um, Donald Constable, Minnetonka native. Going to give you a little bit of a brief summary of his accolades, but I can't go over all of them. Otherwise, we'd be talking all night. But uh, Donald, like I said, Minnetonka native, ended up winning uh, the state tournament there advanced his career at first at University of Texas, then went on to University of Minnesota. And then after that, uh, played on the PGA Tour, ended up even playing at uh, the U.S. Open at Pinehurst. He's won anything that moves in the state of Minnesota, anything from the state tournament in high school to the state am to the legendary, which I think is his best accolade, actually, is the Resorters Golf Tournament. But um, without further ado... Donnie, how you feeling? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. We are pumped to have you on, Donnie. We appreciate that uh, you let us work with your man. Kind of facilitate this entire thing. But, uh, yeah, we'll just get right into it. Donnie, we're going to start with your your high school career. You played at Minnetonka. Obviously had a, a pretty good career there. You played with your buddies. Had a pretty special moment your senior year. Do you kind of want to run through what that was like and how that kind of brought you to where you were ended up being able to get recruited at such top. Yeah, teams. we had a, we had a great time. I we had a great team. A lot of my good buddies uh, played on it. Sam Cota, Alex Woodhall. Um, we had a bunch of good dudes. Um, was able to play in state tournament three times. We made it three times as a team, uh, my sophomore, junior and senior, and was fortunate enough to win it. Uh, individually my junior, but we took second as a team, which kind of pissed me off. But we were playing against Alexandria, Homer Resorters, and uh, they, had a, they wow. had a stack team that year. That was like Bryce Hanstead and Tyler Whiting and Dressen. Um, and so they had, they had a good team. So they, they beat us by a couple. And then um, um, so my goal senior year was obviously to get a team title. And uh, we were fortunate enough to do that. But we had a we had a good team, a good group of guys, and we uh, we had a lot of fun on the way. We had some we had some good stories um, uh, throughout the year and throughout the state tournament. We 
shit. We played we played basketball during uh, in between the two days of the state tournament, like straight, <laughs> straight <laughs> pickup style in Coda's backyard or in his driveway. And probably wasn't the smartest because someone could have gone down. But uh, we had fun doing it, and uh, it was a lot of fun. That's awesome, Donnie. And obviously, a lot of notable names in your group there. Talk us through a little bit um, of the college recruiting process. At what point did you know you're going to play? division one college golf and you know at what point did that process kind of start was it your junior senior year or how did that work yes I played hockey and baseball as well growing up and I stopped playing baseball at 13 to focus on hockey and golf and then I stopped playing hockey when I was 16 to focus on golf so I could play around and travel and I kept getting injured and hurt I like to I like to check and throw the weight around but I kept getting hit hit by bigger guys and so I had a couple concussions and my mom was kind of tired of seeing me get hurt so she was like if you stop playing hockey you can travel and um I was falling more in love with the game of golf so I stopped stopped hockey to focus on golf and that's kind of when I really set my goals to play collegiately and then uh, ultimately to you know try and play in the PGA Tour one day and so it's you know kind of sophomore year is kind of when I kind of really dove into it head first and kind of gave it my all but um my goal was to either either play somewhere in the south where I could play year round or I was going to stay at Minnesota and uh, ended up getting an opportunity to go to Texas um, and my coach down there John Fields he found me through Timmy Heron he coached Timmy Heron in New Mexico so that was a wow. connection to Minnesota players and um, so he kind of found me found me that way um, but was uh, fortunate enough to go down and play there at a great university and um, really enjoyed my time down there yeah I bet and um I mean, I don't blame you for focusing on golf. Obviously, it all worked out. But um, I know you kind of you had one of the most special rounds. I think it was your senior, maybe junior year. Do you want to? And you might know what I'm talking about. It's one of the best courses in America. Um, you know, we've talked about it a few times. But do you kind of want to run through, you know, what that was like, where it was, and and everything like that? You talking the one down in Georgia? I was talking about the one in Georgia. Yeah, There's a little golf course down there in Augusta, Georgia. I was fortunate <laughs> enough to play. Um, my father passed away when I was in high school, uh, my junior year, actually, kind of right before the state tournament. And uh, I was fortunate enough to go down and play Augusta with him before he passed away. And uh, special treat, something that again, it's kind of my. Not, not my last golfing memory with him, but it was kind of our last round that we played together. And um, so Augusta and the Masters holds a really a special place in my heart. And uh, yeah, it was cool, man. It's a cool track. I mean, obviously, it's, uh, you know, the Masters and everything. You know, it's prestigious and uh, one of a kind event, but it's it's crazy. I mean, like the, the one thing about it that just blew me away is that the, the elevation change there, like you can kind of see that on TV, but like it doesn't even do it justice. Like 18 is like literally like straight up a staircase. I mean, it is straight uphill and it, it looks uphill on TV, but like it just, it's crazy how much elevation change there is out there. And it looks like this kind of big kind of rolling piece of property. But like when you walk out there, it's like, it's like the ultimate sledding hill down like, like eight or uh, what would it be nine green down to like, seven green eight tee i mean it's just massive down 10 like the 10th tee like that tee shot i mean it's it's unbelievable how much elevation changes out there but it's a cool golf course i still remember 
I shot 77 with five three putts. Still remember <laughs> that. Um, but yeah, it was a, it's a cool spot in a round that I'll never forget. Yeah. So we know the Masters is coming up. Kit, question for that round at Augusta. What was your favorite hole on the course and, and why? Favorite hole on the course. Or do you not even have one because they're all they're all no, um, I mean they're all pretty good. Uh, twelve is pretty cool. I hit it stiff too. I hit it to like two feet on twelve, so that was kind of fun. <laughs> nice. Um, <laughs> it's a cool hole. Eleven's a beast of a hole. Eleven. TV doesn't do it justice. How hard eleven is? That green, how it sits. You you can't bail out because if you bail out right now, you're chipping across that green towards water. It's running away from you. If you happen to chip in the water, you got to go back on the other side because it's yellow. So now you're hitting a 60-yard shot back over the, you know, over the pond. Um, just a, it's a, just a hard, demanding hole. Um, 13 obviously is really good. You know, aiming corner in general. I just named all three, but um, the, <laughs> the second shot on 13, that side hill lie again on TV. You can't tell, but I mean that ball is like for for a lefty. That ball is just absolutely hanging below your feet i mean that side he'll lie it, it looks kind of flat but it is really below your feet for a lefty or for a righty that ball is just hanging up there on a hill you know um but yeah i mean it's 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 hard to pick up a, a favorite hole out there they're all pretty special it, is that tee shot on 18 as narrow as it looks on tv yeah yeah um it's not like I wouldn't say crazy narrow. It is tight, but I would say the uphill is what's more crazy. I mean, that thing, that shot is really uphill. Kind of see it on TV, but I mean, that thing is straight uphill. And now when you add all those people in, that shoot gets really tight. I mean, that's, that's a different story, (laughs) but uh, yeah, man, it's a, it's a cool place. And like, like I said, I don't think you can pick a bad shot or a bad hole out there. No, I bet. And it's just cool to hear about it going in. I mean, what are we, a week and a half? Week? No, week, week? out Yeah, now. who do you guys got? And yeah. I I take him every year. I got Spieth. Spieth. He's, ooh, that's a good pick. It's yeah, a little, it's a little dicey, dicey, but, but we'll he's, see he's how it goes. He's at his luck there. He's at his, he's played well. So, yeah. so Donnie, here's a, here's a question we like to ask a lot of our guests, and then we'll kind of get back to some more about your career. But if uh, if we're on – Sunday at the Masters, coming down the back nine. Who are who are your top three guys that you're pulling for um, now that you've been kind of in the mix with these guys on tour? If it you know went for uh, yourself, <laughs> let's see. Three guys I'd be rooting for down the stretch, um, or just one or two if, if yeah, they come to mind. I'd I'd really like to see uh, Ricky win a major. Uh, he's a really good dude. Uh, he's he's been in the mix. He's kind of. I wouldn't say got a bad rap, but he's got this overrated card played on him over the years. That kid is so talented. I I remember playing college golf with him, and, and you know, and just I mean, he was like a, a god back then, like amateur golf, college golf. I mean, he was so good, and I mean, obviously still is one of the best in the world. But he's been so close. I think he deserves one, but he's just a good dude, a, a, a good guy, and he's he's one guy. I think it's. A lot of people it would really have a hard time not root for him. Yeah, I mean, we we he's definitely one of the pod favorites. Uh, we we kind of root yeah. for him, but uh, you know, we'd love to see him pull one off. But uh, for me, I'd like I don't know. I just I think Spieth. It's his golf course. I've liked what he's done there. He's got a good um, record. I don't know. If, yeah, he definitely does. And 
I don't, I don't know if you, you know, have played with Spieth or know him at all, but uh, it just seems like Augusta is kind of his home. Yeah, he's. Uh, I mean, what he went win second win, and he should have won all three. Uh, right, and that last year's Sunday was insane. But uh, yeah, pretty crazy. Yeah. Anyways, we, um, you know, we've uh, we kind of want to focus a lot on on your PGA career and kind of what you know what that was like and playing as a pro. So. We don't want to, you know, skip over your college career just because it was very astronomical. Obviously, you did very well at, at uh, you know, Texas and the U. But um, at what point, you know, just for the listeners that may not know, you know, you, you transferred to the U. You know, why did you do that? You know, what brought you back home? And then at what point at the U did you think, all right, well, I'm going to give this I'm going to give this thing a go. Yeah. So I came back um, halfway through my junior year and. I uh, I was planning on redshirting my freshman year. The, our fifth man was kind of struggling, and so I actually played my second semester. And then I played, um, I think, 11, 12 events my sophomore year. Um, so I, I, I was playing. I had a spot in the lineup, and I was playing. Um, being away from home was hard. You know, it was a, a year after my, my father passed away, and so kind of moving away and being on my own um, was challenging. Um but I I loved it down there. My teammates um, are still some of my best friends. Austin, Texas is awesome. I mean, UT in general, their athletic department. It's, I mean, they they win. You know, their goal is to win national titles, not just compete. I mean, they they want to win, and uh, they're good at it in every sport. So it was a blast. But uh, you know, just I just wanted to be home. Um, I I've always felt and said that I think no matter what you do, you can get better anywhere. Um, it just depends on the mindset and the program you set forth for yourself. So even though we, you know, we got snow up here and we get time off, I grew up doing that. And I got to a point where I was one of the best in the country and one of the best in the world as an amateur doing it that way. And so I knew if I came back, I could still progress and still, still work to play in the PGA tour. And so I decided to come back. And to be honest, I played, I played better golf when I was back in Minnesota. Um, and, uh, I think for me it was the right move. Um, at the same time, I wish I also could have stayed at Texas because I, I, I absolutely loved it there um, and loved all those guys there. It was hard hard leaving, but uh, overall, I think I made the right choice for myself at the time. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, well, obviously you did, but, um, you know, when you were at the U, you graduate. Did you graduate? It was 2012, Yeah, right? so I was done playing in 11, and then since I didn't redshirt, okay. I had to um, – uh, I, I shouldn't say I don't, didn't have to. Uh, I, I I always told my mom I would finish uh, my schooling, get get my degree, so I stayed a fifth year and uh, uh, graduated in 2012. Yep. Okay. Yep. Got it. So you graduated in the spring of 12, and then you know obviously advanced in in Q school and ended up qualifying for the PGA Tour in 2012, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. So right? I, I finished school and then actually I stayed amateur all summer. I wanted to play in the USAM again. I'd played in it twice already and I wanted to go back. And so I stayed amateur all summer and then, uh, ended up requalifying again for the USAM played my third AM, <coughs> excuse me. And then, um, turned pro in the fall and played, uh, the, uh, North, North Dakota open. It was my first pro tournament. Uh, I think I finished maybe like fifth, Something like that, and then I went to Q school and made it through all four rounds. So I played one professional event, and my second pro event was uh, the Sony Open. 
Wow. Wow. That's so, crazy. Kind of before we get to the PGA, I want to know a little bit more about Q School. I mean, I've read a ton about it. It seems incredibly intense. you got so many guys that are gunning after their spot on the PGA Tour, and there's a lot of tournaments involved in it. Talk, can you can you kind of bring us through the, the pressure of Q School, or were you feel, feeling it at that point? I mean, you were so young, but, I mean, what was it like? You have so many guys that, you know, are so good for so little of spots. So, I mean, how much pressure was there in Q School? Yeah, I think my first year was probably the easiest. Um, now, granted, I made it through that year. I'm not saying that's because it was my first year and technically easy. It's not easy. Um, but I, I, I didn't really know what it was, right? Like I didn't, I didn't have expectations. I didn't, I didn't understand the pressure of uh, second stage and how second stage is basically bigger than third stage or finals. Um, but I think my year, my first year when I made it through, I was one of one of four guys to make it through all four stages. So if, if it's your first time going through, you have to go to pre-stage. Um, so it's pre-stage, first, second, finals. Um, so there's four stages if it's your first time. So I was one of four guys out of 12,000 um, that made it through all four. Um, and, wow. And and at the time, was that final round? That, that was six, six round, rounds. It? it was the last year you could – qualify directly to the pga tour and it was the last year they had six rounds in finals so i played what's that 12 18 rounds in q school that year um but it, i mean it is it's that year was probably the easiest for my nerves because i didn't know what i was doing i didn't know what q school really was um having gone back six times now um it's it, it is nerve wracking and demanding and it's hard because you have one, you have one week, right? You have, you, you can play good all year. And if you don't play well that week, you're done. You're, you're out. Um, mm-hmm. Jordan Spieth, his, his first try at, at Q school, he missed out in first stage. He didn't make it out of first stage. And then that was his, yeah. his year after college when he turned pro. So he, he got a bunch of starts and that's how he got his card. He didn't get his card through Q school. He missed in Q school. Um, and so, I mean, if, if you just don't have it that day, you don't have it and you just are done and you got to wait another year. And second stage is more nerve wracking and harder than finals because second stage is the stage where if you at least make it out. So back then when you could go directly to the PGA Tour, they took the top 25 in finals. So at final stage, there's 156 guys and they took the, the top 25 made it to the PGA Tour. Well, everyone else had a full card on the web. Everyone was fully exempt on the web. Right. So if you just made it to finals, you had a tour to play on. Right. You had a job. Mm -hmm. And so second stage is where everyone panicked and freaked out and all all the nerves kicked in, because if you didn't make it out of second, you didn't have a job. You had to go, you know, go back and play mini tours or go go teach or, you know, do whatever. At least if you made it to finals, you you had a job, you had some job security. And then once that changed, where now you have to go to the Web, um, you know, I made it through Q school uh, two years ago and. Um, I finished like 72nd maybe. So now it's top 45 go to the web and okay. 40, uh, yeah, top 45. So 46 to 156, they all have conditional web status, right? Well, I finished 72nd and I didn't get a start until the fifth to last event of the year. So wow. guys, hmm. 80 to 156, technically they're on the web.com. Yes, but they didn't, they didn't get one start all year. So, um, wow. It's it's hard. It's challenging and demanding, and uh, but it's just because you have you have one week, and one bad hole can 
can screw the whole week or you know it's just it's crazy what can happen i got some some horror stories that are just you know i got i got food poisoning two years ago at final stage um you know it's like you, you can't take a rain check and just like oh, i'll play next week right like you got to play with food poisoning and it's you know you look up and you you miss by two or whatever and it's like you know i wonder what would happen if i didn't have food poison you know it's like yeah i mean yeah, it's it's hard. I had a buddy of mine. So I, um, uh, yeah, George McNeil, who's on tour, he's won uh, two or three times. He went to Q school ten times before he made it. His wow. tenth. Wow. So how old was he when he made uh, it? He was in his thirties, I think. His tenth time, he won okay. Q school. His tenth time, but oh. he he went ten times straight and didn't make it through. So yeah i mean it's it's crazy i've been following you since i've been a you know a little kid and i remember constantly following you through q school and kind of watching some of those i mean as you were kind of describing it's sometimes it's one hole that cost you almost the entire q school and it's it's crazy like that but yeah i've been following you like crazy and it's it's kind of remarkable to kind of live by vicariously and see how much pressure is is you know coming in and out of yeah it's yeah and, and to add on to that, Jack, when I, Donnie, when I think of Q school, I think of it kind of as, like you said, it's a survive and move on type of week to week mentality. Totally. What's that? What's that like? Are you guys staying in the same hotels and you guys see each other? Are people gripping it tight on the range? I just feel like that's a high intensity. I mean, especially as you get to final, I mean, maybe that second stage, like you said, is it, you know, you see another tour player, you're not talking to them. Is it, or is it a, I feel like on tour now, everyone's loving it. I know, right? It's kind of weird. It's kind of changed over time. And it's like everyone's all, you know, boys out there and hanging. And you see Tiger joking with guys. It's like we, we never saw that growing up. Tiger was like this killer, right, that no one talked to everyone's afraid of. But, no, I mean, every, every, everyone's different. In Q school, it's, it's, a little, it's a little more tight. Finals, a little more loose. Um, but uh, it's just kind of personal preference. I mean, some guys take it really serious and, you know, buckle down. They show up three or four days before and you know that's just kind of not my style you know I've been to the same golf course for second stage every year so I know it and I stay with buddies and we get a house and you know we you know have fun and we cook out and some guys want their own hotel and want to do their own thing and um you know it's all it's all it's all personal preference but it is it's just a a survive in advance and um you know you, you finish one and you get like three weeks off before the next. So it's like you get time to get a little time off, decompress it and you start getting back after it and prepping for it. And then it's like, all right, here we go. Here's the week. All right, let's, you know, just try and survive. Right. And get through it. Um, and then, you know, it's, I think it's good. They change finals to four rounds. Six is too much. You can, you can get the yeah. result you want in four rounds and not have to beat a dead horse for two more. You know, it's like, I remember getting done. Um, I, I, there's a picture. I think my mom's got it after, um, when I got up to the scoring booth and I just like sat on the ground and laid, I mean, I was just exhausted and not from like physically playing, like I was fine, but like, you're just so emotionally drained playing. I think it's what, 108 holes. I mean, you're just completely wiped out, especially if you're in the hunt. So like coming down the hunt, like I birdied two of my last three and it's like, like you're in the, it's just so mentally draining, exhausting. You're just beat. And so I, I, I personally think it's good they they moved it to four rounds. Yeah, we don't want to lose any hair over it. I'm looking at your locks. Uh, 
it looks like you didn't lose any hair over it. But a uh, question <laughs> is, uh, once you finally did get on tour, uh, what was that kind of grind like? You know, what, who were you staying with every week? Were you staying alone? You know, can, can you walk us through yeah, that? Yeah, it's different, man. Especially, um, you know, I'll, a lot of guys out there, you know, they spent some years on the mini tours grinding, right? They spent a year on the web or nationwide back in the day, right? And so, like, for me coming out, I mean, I, I basically went from playing amateur golf to playing on the PGA Tour. And for me at the time, it was a, it was a big jump. Um, it was one I was excited about and ready for. Uh, but at the same time, it was so it was so new and so big. And, you know, you, you take for granted the small things that in college are just kind of handed to you on a silver platter, like travel arrangements and flights and hotels and, you know, yeah, planning and food, you know, it's everything like you're your own, you know, travel agent. And obviously you have an agent helping you with stuff like that, but it's like your first year, it's a lonely year and you eat a lot of dinners by yourself. I mean, you don't know anyone. You don't, I mean, you do, you know who they are, but one is intimidating. You're, you know, looking at these guys and, you know, you were just at home on the couch and now you're warming up next to, you know, Bubba, and you know it's like holy cow, right? And, but so it's it's different. It was a jump. Uh, I learned a lot. Um, I struggled out there, but at the same time, I played good golf. But um, you'll learn really quick out there that even par, you'll get your brain your your brains beat in pretty good. Even par doesn't do you any good in professional golf. You will not have a job. Um, but it's it's a big learning curve. It's it's a big learning big learning curve. And like I said, you're kind of out there by yourself you got your caddy and you know you start meeting guys so you start staying with them but a lot of times you're by yourself eating dinner in your hotel room by yourself driving the go you know so it's hard you got to really be able to balance everything and um, I think college could do a better job at preparing um, golfers for that I think you see a lot of guys that especially uh, across the pond that don't go to college that kind of produce better professional players because they learn how to do all that stuff before um, so when they get there, it's not new. Um, but yeah, man, it was a, it was a fun year. Um, learned a lot. Um, De- definitely Donnie. And, and as you say that, um, as we are kind of prepping for this pod, we know a lot of our listeners are wondering, you mentioned your caddy, talk us through who caddied for you out there. And also kind of, what do you look for in a caddy? Some guys want a lot more input. Some guys are just kind of like carry my bag. That's kind of a big deal on our podcast. We're kind of curious what uh, what your take is on that. Yeah. So um, Ernie Rose caddied for me, and um, Ernie was a coach at Minnesota when I was there. Um, his his father in law John Harris was my head coach, and Ernie was an assistant for the women's team. Um, and I got to know him, and we actually worked with him as well um, for part of the year. And he came out. He was caddying for me. He caddied for me in the USAM which was out at uh, Cherry Hills. And then he went with me through Q school and stayed with me that year. Uh, he was great. Um, and then I've also had Alex Woodhall caddy for me um, over these past years in uh, the U S open and all my web events and stuff like that. Um, but it, it's a big deal. You got to have a guy that you really mesh well with, you know, some guys um, like doing their own yardage book and stepping off their own number. Some guys just rely on their caddy and they don't even have a yardage book. Some do it together. Some read their own putts. You know, and you got to have a guy that understands your game, understands when to speak up, when to shut up, you know, and when to just not say anything, and carry the bag. Um, 
but both both Woody and Ernie were great. Uh, I worked worked really well with both of them, um, and uh, had great times with both of them out there. Definitely, and and from your game, are you and you know in terms of practice rounds and prepping for a tournament, are you stepping off a lot of numbers, or do you have your caddy doing that? Um, how how did you kind of prep for some of those big events? Uh, yeah, both. Um, a, a lot of times, I, I I actually hate practice rounds. Absolutely hate them. They are slow and, <laughs> and everyone wants to chip and putt to every corner and section of the green, and it's not going to change tomorrow. It's going to be the same green tomorrow. It's you know, it's like the, the <laughs> technology as it advanced. You know, aim point and all this. You know, guys have levelers out there and getting you know degrees of slow. It's like there's a hill to the right. It's going left. You know, I'm I'm really basic with it, so I actually don't like practice rounds. But I I try and go in the morning, and you know, I try and build a game plan before um, I go out. But at the same time, I'll I'll try and hit my most aggressive club off the tee that I would probably hit in the tournament. So if I if I'm going to change my game plan, I'm gonna I'm gonna back off the driver, not not go up to the driver. So if 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 my game plan all week is did three wood because it's tight, and then all of a sudden I want to hit driver, you know that's gonna not add stress, but I'm I'm working forward instead of backwards. I want to always back off to the conservative play instead of go forward to the aggressive. Um, but if I start with the aggressive in the practice rounds and know what that is and know what that does, I can build my game plan off that. You know, it's like the guy that's like I'm gonna hit three or three in here every week and then he's kind of playing bad he's like screw it i'm gonna hit driver right well that never ends well right <laughs> that's typically t1 for me yeah. <laughs> it is for a lot of people unfortunately but that's kind of the mindset right it's like no you had a game plan all week why are you going away from it where if you started with driver it's okay to back off you know in that situation it's like okay let's just hit one in the fairway here and back down to three wood or three iron something like that so um but yeah so I, that's kind of how i go about it i i don't hit a lot of extra shots. I try and play one ball and, and score. I don't get to drop another one on Thursday if I hit a bad iron shot. So why am I going to do it on my practice round? Uh, I, I yeah. try and treat it as much as just like a normal round of golf where I'm trying to score my best and just play one ball. And I'll, I'll hit a couple extra chips or putts or something like that, but I might spend two or three minutes around the green where a lot of guys will spend like five or 10. And it's just like, not. that's not for me. I'm just going to play through you. Yeah, and I actually really appreciate that. I mean, a lot, you know, a lot different. But I've done the practice round things, and it gets long and tedious. Oh, and, you know, I've been following you for for a while now, whether it's at resorters or different tournaments, and I've kind of found that in your game. Maybe it's just your demeanor on the course, but you kind of give a not a lackadaisical, but almost a nonchalant type of attitude out there, where you're you're very poised, you're calm, and you're you're kind of. You know, you, at, at least at resorters, you got driver at the time, which I really appreciate. But um, no, that kind of makes sense and um, kind of leads me into my next question. And, you know, you had a full year on, on the PGA Tour. And what I want to know, and I think a lot of our listeners want to know, is what's the day to day like? What I mean, you come to these tournaments, maybe on a Tuesday or Wednesday, you know, what are your evenings like after you play? What's going on in the morning? What do you do after a round? You know, maybe not preparation wise, but, you know, you had your caddy or whatever. But, uh, 
you know, how different was it with the crowds, with the sponsors, with the money, with the purses, with everything involved in it, you know, kind of take us through a day-to-day life in, in a PGA tour shoes. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's different for everyone. Again, going back to being like a rookie, like right out of college, like not knowing anyone, like when you get out of the, the golf arena, right? Like, let's say you got a morning time, right? So you wake up, you know, you're going to get in the gym or do whatever you need to warm up and stretch, go grab breakfast. Now, I mean, you're spoiled out there. It's you're treated like Kings compared to the, even the web and the web compared to, you know, mini tours. But I mean, let's back up. You show up at the airport and you get a brand new, whatever the sponsored car is. So you get a brand new escalator, a brand new trucker. It, uh, at the Byron, we got an escalator that had seven miles on it. <laughs> you know, so it's like, I mean, you, you, you get everything. It's just, everything's, it's, it's insane. So you get a truck and you know, whatever. And, do your practice rounds, whatever. So, like Thursday, you get morning time. You're gonna wake up and have breakfast. They have gyms that they bring in, like basically like big trailer gyms. They bring to every event. You can go in there, get stretched out, or have a Cairo, or get a lift in, whatever. And then you know play, and after you have lunch and practice, get your work in, whatever. When you're done though, when you like kind of step out of that and you go back to your hotel again, like your first year, like you're on your own, like right, like you haven't made a lot of money right away if you're starting the year out to like have your family travel with you full time or me as a 23 year old like I, I wasn't married I you know it's just myself right so like when you get when you get out of it it's just kind of like a normal event to be honest like okay what am I gonna do this afternoon well I'm gonna go have dinner by myself and then I'm gonna go to a, a movie or you know or maybe you go with your buddies or whatever but like a lot of these older guys like a Zach Johnson or a Webb Simpson, you know, like they all have their families, right? Like they're not going to go hang out and go to a movie with you, right? Like they're going to go <laughs> hang out with their wife and kids and go have dinner. And so, yeah, when it comes down to it, when you step out of the whole, like the whole golf arena, when you leave the golf course, it's kind of like any other event. You're just in another city by yourself in a hotel. And, you know, that's, that's part of the life though. I mean, that's part of the lifestyle that you have to love. You have to, be fully accepting of that's what you want to do. And that's, it's going to be hard and you're going to be in some crappy towns and, you know, uh, fortunate enough that level, you're, you know, making money and endorsement deals to where you can stay in nice hotels and stuff like that. But I mean, that's, it's just like playing mini tour events. You're in a hotel in another city, having dinner with your buddies or whatever. And then obviously at the golf course, it's very different. That tour level, like I said, you know, you're just catered to and with fans and, you know, and you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a big, big jump from college and amateur golf. I'll tell you that. And, um, uh, even from the webs, I mean, the web has fans and, you know, stands and some fun holes where there's, you know, a little horseshoe or whatever, but you know, it's, it's nothing like the tour. The tour is on another level, even compared to the web. Um, but it's a, it's a fun atmosphere to be a part of. I'll tell you that. Definitely. That's, that's awesome. And Donnie, you talked a lot about the amenities uh, the endorsements of sponsorships. We noticed over your career, you're, you had a number of sponsorships. We see Adams, Gray Clips, Titleist, Southwest Airlines. How does that all come up? Is that once you get through through Q School, is that something your a- agent Jim Lehman is helping you out with? And how does that all come together? Yeah, so I, I signed with Jim um, after making it through Q School, um, being a Minnesota guy, and, you know, obviously Tom um, being a Minnesota guy. And I was with him for probably three or four years. I'm not, I'm not with him anymore. I'm just on my own. Um, 
but yeah, so like a lot of those deals, um, let's see, like a basic deal. So a, a basic rookie on tour is going to make uh, a minimum deal of a hundred grand for a club deal and a ball shoe glove deal at uh, foot joy or whatever is going to be like 40 grand. Like that's just a stock rookie deal, right? Like you could, you could go to like sign with like Callaway and, and like they're known to pay more or maybe uh, a Strixon or something like that, right? Like, you could find ways to make a bigger contract, but like if you just wanted to stick to whatever bag you had coming out, which is what I did, I had a mixed bag and um, I signed with Adams and had to play one club, carry the Adams bag and wear the Adams hat. So that was like, that was my deal. I had Titleist wedges and Odyssey. (laughs) I had Nike irons and a tailor made driver. So what was your Adams club? (laughs) A hybrid. Nice. Uh, they're known for those aren't they yeah they are they're good <laughs> technically taylor made owned or bought adam so i was technically using their driver as well but uh so my contract was actually through taylor made but it was an adams okay. deal um because taylor made owns adams or did at the time i don't know if they still do or not but so i only had to play one club i could have gone to callaway and switched on my whole bag and probably got a bigger deal or something like that but you know, that's just like a standard rookie, you know, deal that everyone's going to get. And then when it comes to, you know, Adams, uh, the Southwest, that was an a- uh, Adams um, deal. So everyone on Adams staff signed with Southwest. And then um, Great Clips, um, he's a Minnesota guy. And Great Clips was started up in Minnesota. And so I signed with him. And that's probably my best and favorite one because you would think with long hair and um, <laughs> great clips wouldn't be the best endorsement, but yeah, with the lock, right? Yeah. But it was the one that everyone surprised. Right? I'm actually but really it was, surprised. It, it was the one that everyone commented on. They're like, "Dude, that's awesome! You have great clips, <laughs> and you got you know three months of lettuce or three years of lettuce." Right? It's like, dude, that's great. Like everyone, <laughs> I guarantee you, if I had short hair, no one would have noticed. Really, it's like, oh, just he's sponsored by great clips, like whatever. But like, yeah. People would come up with comments like, dude, that's awesome, man. That's great. You know, it's you know, it was kind of funny. It actually worked out better than long hair, but um but yeah, I mean you got you got agents that help you find stuff, you know, you got your coach or you know, family friends that find something or they, they know, you know, it's there's a ton of different ways to find deals and stuff like that. Um, you know, at, at that level I was an agent. When I came off the tour I, I didn't feel like I needed one at the time. Um so uh, Jim and I split ways and, um, I just kind of went on my own, but in, unless they're, if you're not on tour, unless an agent is getting you starts in tour events, you really don't need one. Um, in my opinion, some people do. Um, if you're playing mini tours and you have an agent, you're going to call your agent and ask him to reach out and get balls for your gloves. Or, you know, if you build a relationship with these guys, which you should do, you should just be able to pick up the phone and call them. So like, the guys that Taylor made, I've been with for like seven or eight years now from like college. Like I just pick up the phone and call. Like I don't, I don't, I just don't need an agent to do that for me. And so, um, there's times where they're needed, especially on the tour level when, and especially if you're, you know, a, a high tour player, you know, they're obviously taking care of a lot more stuff, media stuff, uh, different obligations, stuff like that. Um, so there's, there's pros and cons to them. If, you know, definitely. Gonna tell you some so, different. So, so a couple of quick questions that we'll get kind of back to some of the events that you played in. Um, did these deals kind of come together right when you got your card after Q school 
And a lot of our listeners are also wondering, do they send you a physical card? Yeah. Like a credit card? Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. You get a Just flash that around. You go to a bar. It's got a long line. You flash them the PJ tour card. Let me in. We've done that a couple times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Love it. Yeah. No, they send you one uh, or two cards, basically one with like a lanyard. That's how you get in and out of every, every door, every clubhouse. Right. And then one you keep in your wallet. Um, but uh, yeah, sorry. What was the first part of the question? Yeah, I was just curious. That was that was kind of the main part. But uh, these these deals that you had available to oh, you was that right. after Q school or is that during? No, that's after. Yeah, that's after. Yep. Um, because they one they want to see if you're going to end up being on the PJ tour or on the web. Now it's you know you go directly to the web. There's no access right to the tour. But yeah, I mean, like I said, and you know, everyone's gonna everyone will have the option to have a club deal, especially if you've been with a company coming out of college or playing mini tours, working your way up. So those, those deals are kind of right there. Jim found me a deal um, with a company called Leisure Society, um, which was like a high-end sunglasses company that ended up going into uh, clothing. And so I wore their clothes, um, which they were a great company, but they were all cotton shirts. So when I was playing like in the summer in July in Memphis, it was like a hundred degrees wearing full, full <laughs> cotton. It kind of was brutal, but a uh, great company, really cool stuff. But so, I mean, most, most of those deals come after. And then um, obviously like the bigger deals that these guys have are, you know, from building relationships with guys over the years um, and stuff like that. But a lot of your basic deals are going to come after Q school, especially my year. Uh, when it was definitive, whether you're going to be on the PJ tour or the web, you know, instead of just everyone going to the web. Um, but yeah, they all came after. All right. Um, in terms of your PJ tour schedule, what was your favorite event that you played in on tour? Favorite event. Uh, it was my first year going to Pebble, uh, ever playing Pebble. So I played Pebble, Monterey and Spyglass is the three rotation there. And, uh, we had just perfect weather, um, out there so that was pretty cool those those tracks are special if you haven't got out there that's a one you got to do everyone everyone talks about how good is but standing on the cliffs of pebble I and mean, that's it's really good did you have an amp playing with you there i did um don i think his name don beal he used to be the old ceo of rockwell um they made okay. they made stuff for the military um or still do um which was really cool because i i have a big uh, I should say fascination, but um, love for the military and law enforcement. And that's something I would have liked to have done if I didn't play golf. So been able to talk with him about some of the stuff he's done and some of the guys he met. He actually had a, a SEAL commander from Team 3 come out, and I got to meet him, um, which was pretty cool. Um, but Pebble was cool. Quail Hollow is great. That's a, that's a badass golf course. That is a beast of a track. And they just redid it really? a couple of years ago uh, to make it even yeah. harder. But a funny story, Quill Hollow, the, the year I played was the last year before they redid their greens, so they kind of just let okay. them go, and they were just terrible. Um, they, yeah. were, they were like a public course. I mean, honest to God, they were like a public golf course. And so guys – What were they running? Oh, gosh. They were so bad. I mean, I was like the sixth or seventh alternate, and so I was the, – the web event that week was in Georgia at University of Georgia's golf course. So – if you're on tour and you're not in that week, you can go down and play the web event. You have priority over everyone in the on, on, on the web tour. So okay. 
I wasn't in Quail Hollow, and I think I was seventh alternate. And so I went to Quail, played a practice run Monday, drove down to Georgia, played a practice run there Tuesday, woke up Wednesday morning, and eight guys had WD'd. <laughs> and I got in, so I drove up. Uh, was that because of the conditions? Yeah, the green. So the the last guy to WD was um, Retief Goose, and he was injured. But the seven before all WD because the greens were so bad. So wow. Ian Poulter shows up. We, everyone had heard how bad they were. Ian Poulter showed up. He walked to the putting green, looked at it, walked inside, withdrew and walked, walked <laughs> back to his car and left. Come on. Yeah, I swear. That was Hops the year Ferrari. That was the year Sergio he he I, I think it was Sergio. He he chipped a 10-footer. <laughs> because it was so bad, he didn't want to putt it. Like there wasn't someone's mark or anything. He was just a straight putt. He just he wanted to chip it. He chipped it. Wow. They were they were That's terrible. Cool. But the golf course itself is awesome. I I put that week with Scott Stallings and he was saying, he's like, this is the closest to Augusta that we get condition-wise. He said, this is by far the best golf course condition-wise that we see all year, except for Augusta. And the, wow. and the greens are terrible. Now they ripped up the greens, moved a couple holes, and it's phenomenal now and even harder than it was. But that's a big golf course. It's a fun track, though. Yeah, I bet. I mean, you watch it all the time. The greens look phenomenal, but I never knew that kind of insight on it. Yeah, um, that was the year. Before you know, before we get to Pinehurst, I want to ask one quick question. Um, if you were playing on the PGA Tour now, or you know, back, you know, when you you know you had your full status, I want to know after a maybe a maybe it's a Tuesday practice round, maybe it's a Friday, you know, legitimate tournament round, but. What guy on the PGA Tour right now, after a round, would you want to hop in the clubhouse with and just have a beer with and shoot the shit? Right now, compared to back then? Um, or both? Yeah, either whenever, or. Either, whenever. Yeah, whenever. either or, both, whatever. Either or. Um, I would love to sit down with Zach Johnson. And I've, really? I've met him once before, but I would love to pick his brain about his 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 career path uh and how how he struggled for so long you know he's a midwest guy um i think it was he was probably 30 or 31 it was his kind of last kind of straw he he got a bunch of guys from his club to uh give him some money to go to q school again and ended up making it late but he battled he battled out in those mini tours for a long time and Mm -hmm. you just don't see that as as much anymore these days you see all these young guys come out that are so talented and just come out and they compete and they act like they belong there. Right. And they do. Um, but like the, those, those kind of old time stories um, of guys just like really grind out. I mean, Tom Lehman's a great example. Tom Lehman, I was, I was just about to bring that he was up, 31 yeah. or 32. And then he was number, uh, number one in the world. I mean, yeah, those stories are just kind of hard, hard to come by more these days. Dan McCarthy just won the web last week. I know Dan and, uh, Yep. he's thirty. He's been battling. Yeah, he's been Definitely. battling. He was then he got injured. Uh, I think he's thirty three. You know, so he's gonna, he's you know he's gonna be a rookie at thirty four. Um, there was a guy last yeah. year I played with on the web. I can't remember. Uh, I'm blanking on his name, but um, 
he he got his tour card and he's uh like 41 he's a rookie on tour at 41 wow i mean that's a grind man i mean that's a 20 year yeah. grind that's like guys don't understand what like you know 20 year of like a, a normal job and i'm not saying anything bad about normal like that's a lot of, that's a long time 20 years of grinding on the mini tours and driving i mean Kevin Streelman, he used to drive across the entire country. I mean, he lived out of his car. I mean, yeah. you just don't hear those stories anymore. So, right, you know, I'd I'd love to grab a beer with one of those guys. Even Streelman, he'd be a great guy just to kind of hear his story, pick his brain. Uh, you know, Zach spent through that. Zach's a big family man, big Christian guy, um, very nice guy. Um, I've met him once before down in Sea Island, where he lives, and where I spent a winter. And um, but yeah, man, one of those guys. If I wanted to sit down and have more than one beer it'd probably be a shit i don't know dj but he might get in a little more trouble <laughs> stay away from dj having uh, yeah you never know what yeah you're yeah you there. never know that one yeah um, exactly no that's that's incredible insight and it's just fascinating to hear you know kind of the day in and day out of um what it's like to be on the pga tour i mean not many of us even know a guy that has been able to experience that so it's uh Thank you for that insight. But um, I want to talk a little bit um, about the 2014 U.S. Open um, at Pinehurst. Uh, I know, you know, you know, uh, our our main motto here on the podcast is who's your caddy. I know is your, you know, good longtime buddy. I kind of want to talk a little bit about it. And then also I'd love to hear what the difference is between a major motherfucking champ you know championship versus a normal pga you know tournament so can you can you bring us through what was what it was like um playing in that type of event at pinehurst for the u.s open i mean the whole thing yeah it was awesome i i qualified out in uh at woodmont out in uh maryland and um i was playing with billy hurley who grew up out there and he always that's where he plays his sectional event out there and uh, we ended up both making it out of the same group. We're like two of the four that made it. And we got in, we sat down, and we looked up, and Woody was with me. And we looked up and we're like, holy shit. We're like, I think we we're like the second to last group coming in. So there was one group behind us. And there was like one guy who needed to like finish birdie, birdie, or something like that. And we sat down, and we're like, holy shit. We just, I think we just qualified for the open, right? And the guy ends up not making birdie. And me and Woody, we always, get taco bell after we either win or qualify or something like that so we went back and got taco bell and uh i didn't pick up my phone until after we ate taco bell and i picked up my phone and turned it on and it was just going nuts and uh that that was that was cool in itself but actually being there i mean it's another animal compared to a a tour event um but such a cool experience piners is great I, i i won the north south am there um when i was in college so i'd be able to go back there you know, I had some um, some good memories there I could try and build off, even though the golf course was completely different from when I played it and, like, a 1,000 yards longer. Um, but, yeah, man, I mean, it's just you got to be so much more precise than you already have to be in a tour event, and especially a golf course like that where it's um, – or that, that style they played for a couple years, right? They played there. They played Chambers Bay where it's, like, you know, this hard, firm, dried-out, fast greens, right? And it's, like – if you're off by, and, and then on top of that, you got these crown greens, right? So, it, like, if if you're just like on the wrong side of a ridge, like, 
that ball might not stop for like five or 10 seconds. Right. And just goes whipping off the green and who knows where it's going to end up. Um, so just the, the, the margin of error that is already so small in the PGA tour compared to like a web or college golf or your top hammers, right? Like that, that, yeah. that margin of error is even smaller in a major. Um, and then on top of that, put in the atmosphere, and the crowd, the crowd, everything. Um, yeah, I, I have a picture of myself in the shot on 17, which is a par three, and it's just uh-huh. like a, it's like a 20, 20 row high grandstand, just a, like a wall behind the green. Wow. And it's a cool, it's a sweet picture, but I mean, it's just, it's just a wall. I mean, it's just a wall of people. I mean, it's just magnified compared to tour events, and even those, I mean, you get, you know, five or ten thousand people around the hole sometimes. You know, it's just a normal event, but. Yeah. Uh, it was cool. It was awesome. I, I did not play very good my first day and, um, uh, struggled. Uh, I, I played well my second day. I think I shot one over the second day. I, I played a pretty good round of golf. It was a hard day. Um, but I think that week two people finished under par. Um, Martin Keimer won it like 10 under and then, (laughs) yeah, yeah. uh, He was putting from everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. He putted from everywhere. And then, um, um, who was it? Uh, one other guy, he finished like, I think one under and Ricky, or maybe Ricky and one other guy was like two and two under one under or something like that. Um, yeah, but yeah, man, it's, it's another animal. It's cool. It's a lot of fun. And, um, that's something I'd like to do again. For right. sure. So, so Donnie, when you get through sectionals and you throw a major championship on your calendar, how do you approach that? Were you there on Sunday? Do you play some practice rounds, some you know, do you just join up with a couple of groups or are you texting some guys to try to get a, a little game going? Um, yeah. So I got out there. Um, when did I get out there? I got out there Sunday. I got out there Sunday, the week prior. Um, so official practice round start Monday. I got out Sunday. I remember we got to the course and it, uh, we were over in the short game range and it started pouring and uh we just stayed out there like we were just having the time of our lives i mean what and he actually took a picture uh that i still have and the comment was like yep pouring rain and we're you know still here you know u.s open forever <laughs> it's like I'm, I'm not leaving like i just got here this is awesome right you know um but uh yeah practice rounds you have to practice rounds and majors are different than tour events so like in a tour event you can just show up at the first tee whenever you want right like 6 a.m. If you want to go, you like you can go. It's dark, whatever. Um, in majors, you have to you have to get a tee time. So when you go register, you basically pick your tee time slot uh, for every day. So if Ricky, Rory, and Dustin are all playing at noon, and there's an open spot, you can just put your name in, and no one can kick you out of it. Like no one can show up, be like, oh, actually, you know, uh, Spieth's going to play with us today. Like, no, that is your spot, right? So you can sign up and play with kind of whoever you want. Now, those guys all have games, right? Like they all have a foursome. They understand that, maybe not understand. I'm not saying that they all think this way, but knowing that guys have qualified that, you know, would want to go play with them. Not that they wouldn't want to, but like, it's a job, like it's a job, right? Like they're there to work and, you know, they don't want someone necessarily to always just jump in their group and just be asking a question, talk to them. So they, they always have a game or they play with the same guys. Um, that week I played with, um, let's see, I played with Chris Kirk from Georgia. 
um, him and another guy from there. I can't remember who the other guy was. Um, I played one morning by myself, just went out early. Uh, played with Clayton Rask. He was out there. He qualified that nice. same year. So Minnesota native, right? He made, yeah. I think he made the cut that year, didn't he? He did. Yeah, he played well. Yeah. He did make the cut. Um, we were walking down the fairway. Did you play with him at the U? I would have if I went there right away. Um, okay. I did not, though. When I transferred in, he had already left. But I would have been a freshman when he was a junior, probably. Um, okay. Maybe a senior. I think junior. But anyways, um, so the first day I played with him, and so it was me and Woody and Clayton, and his caddy was uh, Chili. Eric Eric Chili's from uh, oh, yeah. Chaska Town Course. So yep. me, Woody, Chili, and Clayton, and then um, – uh, one of my buddies came out and was able to walk uh, with us in the practice round. And then Jim Lehman was out. So we had like six Minnesota guys all walking the fairways, you know, in a major, which was kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. you, sound like, you sound like Bryson out there. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so you can kind of pick and choose when, where you play, when you play. Some guys play, uh, you know, like nine on nine on Monday, 18 on Tuesday, not, the other nine on Wednesday, and then just kind of call it a day and relax. Um, you know, the, the other hard part about uh, playing on the PGA Tour as a rookie, um, also playing in majors, is that they're all new golf courses to you, right? So, like, these guys have been playing these same golf courses for, like, 10, 15, 20 years, right? Like, they know everything about it. And you literally have to learn a new golf course, learn new greens, you know, learn every yep. characteristic about it. And then the next week, go to a new one. And, oh, we just, yeah. we just went from West Coast to East Coast. Now we're in Bermuda. and these golf courses react this way and the rough is, you know, and you're constantly having to relearn new golf courses that are foreign to you that these guys have been playing on for 30, 40, 50 rounds. I mean, they really know them. Um, so that, that's a big difference. And, and, you know, in a major, you can be going to new courses where guys haven't played it, but you know, a lot of guys are just, if they played it before trying to just get one practice round in maybe nine or, you know, another 18 and just kind of chill and relax, get their work in, you know, it's, it's a long week. So you don't want to try and burn yourself out or at all. Uh, another question about Pinehurst, uh, part of who's your caddy. We like to do course reviews. Um, so actually we did a couple down in Austin, Texas. We did Spanish Oaks and Barton Creek. I don't know if you ever got to play those when you're down at Texas, yep. but um, quick question about Pinehurst. Did you, when you play the North South amateur, did you play, before they redid all like the rough and the like the, the native sand, I guess areas you'd call it. Um, yes. So, d- did you like it before or or after that little redesign? Yeah, I, not, I, I think they redid it after our year. Um, both. I, I to be honest, I can't remember exactly the old the old style of it. Um, I think the 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 new look of it is is really cool. Um. It's it's just a hard golf course any way you play. Yeah. I mean, no matter how they change it, that golf course is just hard, man. I mean, the firm greens and those runoffs, you get in the wrong spot. Now, how they changed it with the sand and stuff, you can you can kind of hit it anywhere. Um, if it doesn't roll, like in, in this in the all the sand that they laid down, there's these little like little bushes, right? And it's like if you mm-hmm. if you miss the bush, you can hit it anywhere. You know, left, right, like you can blast it anywhere and if it misses the bush you're fine now if you get in a bush it's like the really thick ones like you can't hit it like they're strong they're strong little fuckers like you can't hit a ball like you maybe chip it out but like you're in trouble so like 
it's good and bad. It kind of takes away from the straight ball hitter. Like it's kind of a bombers. It's already a big enough golf course. And now you get a bomber that doesn't necessarily have to hit it straight as well. Um, Right. But it's, it's good. It's both good. Uh, They're obviously great track. I mean, we've talked a little bit about it, but I want to know specifically what is the difference between a PGA Tour event and a major championship in terms of crowd, in terms of pressure, in ter- on that first tee, you're looking up, you see, you know, an automated scoreboard and you see your name on there. You see the whole thing. Like, I mean, how much different was it and what type of sensation was it um, or was it even different? I mean, you were so young at the time that, um, you know, did you feel some type of nerve or, I mean, what, what was it like to really, you know, take that all in and realize how many people that, um, back from home in Minnesota that were rooting for you and your family, obviously, and everyone that, uh, kind of had your back, but also, um, I want to know, you know, what was it like competing in a major championship? Yeah. Like I said, I mean, it's, it is different than a normal event. Uh, that being said, I don't know if I've ever been more nervous than my first tee shot in, in uh, Sony uh, on tour. I still remember hitting it. I remember everything about it. Uh, I was so nervous that I completely abandoned my normal pre-shot routine. And by the time they were finished announcing my name, I was already over the ball. And I hit this just <laughs> blistering cut into the left trees. Yeah, and I normal I'm a drawer of the golf ball, but I mean, it. I was, I just wanted to hit that thing so quick and get it over with. I mean, it was awesome. I loved it, right? But it was so nerve wracking. I was just a kid, right? Um, that's kind of how it is. Not the whole time out there, but that's definitely how it was with the first tee shot out there. I remember I, I teed off on ten, uh, my first round. Um, and it's a par five, and I I remember you know. I mean, it's a big deal. I mean, 23 years old and on tour, or I guess at the open, I was 24. Um, but, uh, but yeah, man, it's just, it just amplified. I mean, the crowds, the people, the golf course, the condition, the golf course is in. Um, and then, like I said, you know, I didn't, I didn't play great my first round. And when you start, and this was kind of my year on tour too. I, you know, I don't know if you guys want me to touch it all on, on my play oh, yeah. or whatever, but definitely. Yeah. Um, when you start, when you start playing poorly, or not even poorly, it's like, so I I played fifteen events on tour and I didn't make one cut, and everyone's always like, "What's your best finish?" And it's like, I didn't make a cut. And everyone's like, you know what, really, like, you know, and yeah, like obviously that sucks, but at the same time, I looked back in the, the year. Someone asked me what my scoring average was. My scoring average was seventy two point four. And wow. I didn't make a cut, you know, and you start when you start struggling and start missing cuts, um, start missing cuts, you start playing for the wrong reasons and you start playing to make a cut and you start hitting shots to not screw up or to not look bad or um, you don't want to take that on uh, because you don't want to hit it in the water, right? Instead of rising to the challenge of I can hit the shot, right? Like, let's go, you know, and you start playing for the wrong reasons and it's really hard to play good golf that way. Um, 
And so also in the open, um, when I was struggling, you know, that first round, um, you know, you just you kind of fall back into that. I'm playing a major in front of all these people. You know, you don't want to look bad or, you know, and it's and you start you start playing for the wrong reasons. And when you're playing for those reasons and not to win, which is what I've played for my entire life, right? Like amateur golf, high school, whatever. It's like, I'm here to beat your brains in and I know I'm going to do it. And you know, I'm going to do it too. And when you start playing the other way and you start playing to not screw up or not look bad or to just, you know, it's so hard to play good. Uh, I don't care who you are. You will you will play bad and you will fail and you will lose. And, uh, I, I kind of fell into that mindset and I'm not afraid to say it or ashamed to say it. It's, you know, it's part of the game. And that's, um, I started working with a mental coach, a sports psychologist after, uh, those years, I think in like 2016 and, um, it's night and day what it would have been back then, what I know now, um, and the stuff that I've learned, but back to your question in a major though, it's just, just a, such a bigger atmosphere and the crowds are bigger yeah. and the sands are bigger and there's more people and there's, you know, um, yeah. but when you get, when you get into that mode of, you know, you know, why are we here? You know, and you start playing for the wrong reasons, it's just hard to play good golf. And so I, I struggled that first day. The second day I played, I really played as, excuse me, a solid round of golf. I remember that second day was a hard day and, you know, I think, yeah. I think I shot one over and I, beat over a th- half of the field, maybe 60, 60% of the field. So I mean, it was a hard day and, um, yeah. or I, it's something like that. Maybe my facts aren't hundred percent, but, um, I, but I played solid and it was fun. I had a great time. And like I said, it's an event I want to play in again and go do. And, um, I want that experience again. Uh, cause I know it'll be different this time. No. Yeah. I mean, I totally get that. And I mean, it's just gotta be it completely different um atmosphere while you're competing at a at a major championship but uh totally we're um we're kind of wondering uh donnie what uh you know what are you looking forward to in this next year i mean are we uh i mean you know what uh are you going to play in any tournaments or, you know golf wise what 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 can we expect out of donald constable in the next year so I've actually uh I've actually decided to be done playing professionally. Or I shouldn't say done playing. I'm uh I've decided to be done playing professional golf for a living. Um um I've had I've had back issues for a long time and my back is really good and so I'm very fortunate that I'm not making my decision based based on health or anything like that. My game is very good right now. I've been playing some very good golf. Um, and so it's not because of my golf game. Um, and it's a decision I'm making on my own terms and I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm tired of the grind. I'm tired of being on the road and away. And like I said earlier, you have to love everything about this lifestyle, everything about it. You can't kind of like being on the road. I get there's times in any job where if you have to travel, right, you don't want to travel. And I understand that. And sometimes it sucks. But if your job is to travel 35 weeks a year and you are not having fun traveling, you are not going to do your job well. It's as simple as that. I don't care what you do. I don't care if you're a salesman. I don't care if you run a business. 
if you play professional golf and uh i'm just yeah. i'm just kind of tired of doing it i'm tired of being gone and missing things um you know my wife and i want to start a family here you know in the next couple of years um but you 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 miss things yeah being gone i've um in five years i have missed five of her birthdays i've yet to be home for her birthday since we've been in a relationship i've missed uh anniversaries um you know sisters birthdays you know you, you name it i've i've missed it you know um and that's the sacrifice you gotta make and my wife and family have been super supportive and have always been there for me and understood that and my wife has understood what this lifestyle is and if i want to keep doing it for 20 years she'll support me doing it um but i'm just kind of tired doing it and i've always said that golf is just a game and it's something if i don't do the rest of my life to make a living doing it i'm okay with that and um i don't want to ever hate this game because it's done so much for me and brought so many good people into my life and so much joy into my life that i would never want to get to the point where i'm just having so much hate for the game and just disliking it so much on the road that i end up not wanting to continue playing it um and so right now I've decided to be done playing for a, a professional living. Uh, you know, I still plan on playing. I, you know, I'm still going to play the state open this year. That's a, it's a one state event I have not won and it kind of pisses me off. So I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to get that before I, before I die. Um, but so I'll, I'll still play stuff here in the state. Um, and I've even thought about, you know, giving my maybe amateur status back in the next couple of years and, you know, trying to set every amateur record in the state or go, go win the mid-am and go play in the masters. I think would be pretty cool, but, um, well, uh, it's a, that, a lot of work. Uh, go in the resorters again. How about that? I might do that. Yeah. I might just get my M status back and come just dust resorters for the next, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I'm taking you in the Calcutta, even though you're <laughs> but, um, no, I mean, you've had a hell of a career and, um, you know, it's not over right now. No, and exactly. Respect your decision completely. Yeah, thanks, um, man. and, uh, you know, it's been fun to see you, you know, grow into the player you are. Um, but completely understand the decision. I want to, I kind of want to talk, um, kind of get into our, our quick hitters, as we call it, you know. Kind of our last section here. Yeah. Kind oh, of you're good. Yeah, you're section. good. We, uh, we give just kind of quick little little bumps here, little questions, and we, we'd like to hear your input. You know, maybe take five seconds to think about it and then just give an instinct, you know, what, what you have on the spot. So are you ready? Let's do it. All right. <laughs> Favorite course worldwide. Kings barn over in Scotland. In Scotland. Okay. Favorite course in the U S Augusta followed by a close second spring Hill. Sick. Okay. Nice. Well then that leads me to my next one. Uh, Favorite course in Minnesota. Spring Hill, but if you took Spring Hill out, it's Somerset. Somerset, okay. Somerset's an underrated track. I grew up with a buddy out there, Eric Hansen, and we used to go out there as kids. We'd get dropped off in the morning and stay there for yeah. 10 hours. That place is awesome. I like that place a lot. Fun, it's historic, it's a fun isn't track. it? It's just an old-school club that, like, the old locker room upstairs, it's like it's like gym lockers. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's just a cool, and it's, it's kind of like a old school club where like no one's really there. So like you might have to like the place to yourself like all day. Yeah. I played there last summer actually. And, uh, I finished up 18 and 
there was maybe two people out on the patio and they had some live band going on. It was actually kind of bizarre, but I yeah, loved it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's awesome. I love that track. It, it was unbelievable. Um, so I actually don't really know if you've had a hole-in-one, but I know you've had an albatross. Hole-in-one, have you had a hole-in-one? I, made my, we get I, I got two, kind of. Okay. Oh. Kind of? How does that work? Kind of. So I got my first kind of hole-in-one at the year I qualified for the U.S. Open. Okay. At sectionals. Really? Playing a practice round. 16 out of Woodmont is just like 230 two-tier green and i like haas shank a three iron and i'm like woody throw me a ball and he throws me a ball and i jar it no way <laughs> oh that counts yeah that counts. That counts. i hit that it counts. and it's like going Ain't no right, hobby it's like going right like i like literally shanked this thing almost and like the guys start walking off i was like woody throw me a ball so like he throws one of kind of like steps to the side and i hit it and they start walking and i'm like oh my gosh don't go in i remember saying it I said it out loud i was like don't go in and it go it hits and rolls up the slope and goes in and so kind of had that one um i got my first hole in one though true one last year out okay at, uh, where was it the classic up in brainerd nice we were playing uh me woody and coda went up there like nice last week of april like the first or maybe not last week of april but like one of the first couple of weeks they opened and played with yeah. the pro up there it was freezing cold um <laughs> the 12th hole that downhill par three yeah um i hit five iron or four iron. it was cold and into the wind and woody just hit it to like 12 feet and then coded it to like five feet so you had the best of them i did and then but i nice. it was like one of the most pure golf shots i've ever hit like <laughs> i've had stories of like buddies that made one like skull in one and it ran up like this thing was like a flushed tight two yard draw from like one ninety nice. into the wind. And nice. it, like, it like, like sat on the edge though. Cause it like, we thought it stopped but like, Oh my gosh, like how did that go in? And then we like started walking and then it dropped. So it was, it was pretty yeah. cool. I got to see it. <laughs> That's unreal. I got one for you. We got a couple more total. Um, my, my, uh, quick hit for you is who's your dream foursome. My dream foursome. Uh, it has to be my father, um, Ken Griffey Jr., and Marcus Luttrell. Sick. I love that Ken Griffey Jr. one. Greatest That's athlete tough. of all time, bar none. For sure. If he didn't get hurt. Best, best, best way, too, without being too cocky. He, yeah, no, Ken Griffey was dope. Yeah, not he just, too bad. You just walk up with a backwards hat, and that just kind of says enough back in the day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. And, Donnie, here's, here's the last quick hit. Oh, sorry. Actually, we got a couple more coming I, in live I, feed. From I, I'm sorry. I got a couple. You're good. You Keep know, going. Dying. I got nothing to do. You know. He's thinking about right, on the spot. All right. all right. So I was with you um, down in Tonto Verde when you kind of went off. It was. Do you remember this? Uh, a couple years ago? Yeah, like two years ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was like two years ago. Yeah. Um, you went off. I can't can't quite remember what you shot in the front nine, but you ended up I think the next day or something like that, we ended up shooting the course record. Um, not we, you. <laughs> um, but you have it at Tonto. I want to know how many course records you have and where. Um, well, I shot 31 that nine, and we were playing with Lincoln yep. and his younger brother. Yep. Um, the next day. And can I, can I say one thing before we get into this? I played damn well for my game. You, you did play solid. You did play solid. Yeah. I shot 35, if you don't quite remember. How many shots did Donnie give you? 
He didn't give me any. Oh, oh, cocky by you. <laughs> he didn't give me any. I got my ass whooped, but he didn't give me any. Uh, um, yeah. And then, but uh, yeah, it was you, me, Lincoln, and Davis, I think. Yep. And then uh, your dad was playing behind us. We played the ninth hole with him and uh, I think Lincoln's dad. Yep, exactly. Yep, yep. Um, but yeah, the next day I shot, uh, I was playing a big money game with one of my teammates, Robert Bell, and a couple of his uh, buddies, and I shot 62. And okay. uh, just fleeced them. And then <laughs> I actually set the course record last year again at Tonto. I shot 63 back-to-back days on the other track. Uh, nice. So that would have been Peaks? Peaks, which I believe okay. is the other course record there. Um, so we're at two. We're at two. We I, have, I know we have one at Sutton Bay. I got two at Sutton Bay. Okay, nice. I got 66 from the Skulls, and then the next year I shot 63 from the the Snakes, which is one up. Okay. Uh, so I got two there. Um, two or four. I set – way back in the day, I played a tournament at Whistling Straits on the Straits course, the other one, and I set a – it was a junior event. I don't know if they said it was. I don't know if it was. It wasn't anything deep. That was 69. That for sure is broken, so we'll leave that one out. Um, okay. I got Spring Hills. I got Spring Hill at 64. Oh. <laughs> okay. We're at five and a half with the whistling straights. One. Yep. Five and a half. I feel like being a junior, that, like that has to hold, right? It's like, that's got to yeah, hold. Yeah. yeah. That's got to yeah, hold. Yeah. So we'll hold. count that. Um, I got 61 at uh, 61 at uh, now it's called Golf Club of Sioux Falls. It used to be called okay. uh, Westward Ho. Uh, okay. I got that in a uh, um, Dakota's Tour event. Fun fact, I didn't win that week. I shot 69, 61, 70 maybe and lost. So wow. that just shows what what professional golf in the mini tour life is like. Um, yep. And that course record will never be broken because they redid the golf course right after the tournament. So I got that one forever, which is awesome. Nice. Yeah. So we're holding on to that one. Yep. Um, I believe that's it. Okay. Oh, that's it? Six? Six. Yeah. I think <laughs> I that's one, it. So that sounds pretty good. Yeah. All right. And then I have one for you. It's my last one. And then I know Mac has kind of a closer for you for the quick hits. But um, – Mine is when you're at the resorters, especially the year you won. I mean, I watched every single match almost because I lost right away, like I normally do at resorters. <laughs> um, what is your tactic and demeanor at resorters? Is my first question. Number two, what is the number one gettable hole at Alexandria Country Club? Number one gettable hole. Well, my tactic, I hit driver everywhere god damn it i knew you were gonna say i hit driver everywhere okay okay fun fact statistically speaking the closer you get it to the hole if you're in the fairway thank you you will hit it you will hit it closer to the hole statistically charlie hoffman there's a instructor named james seekman he works out of nebraska works with charlie hoffman charlie hoffman he liked to lay up from like 110 yards and from 110 yards, he, he averaged like 14 feet. Right. And he was like in the top 10 or 15 in proximity from 110 yards. Right. At like 15 feet or 14 feet. Don't, yeah. Don't quote me on the numbers, but it's something like that. Right. Okay. From 65 yards, he would hit it to 12 feet, but 
from 65 yards, he was like ranked 70th or 80th. Okay. So he would look at that and he would look at it as I'm, I'm much better at 110 than I am at 70. Uh-huh. When in reality, he would hit it closer. So like these little tweener numbers that everyone's like, don't lay up to 50 yards. Now, unless it's like a pins over a bunker, don't lay up to 50 yards, lay back. But statistically speaking, if you can lay it up in the fairway on any hole, the closer you can lay it up to the green in the fairway, statistically, you will hit it closer. Yep. So I rip driver. <laughs> you rip driver everywhere. Everywhere. Okay. The only I'm trying so, to think if there's a hole I don't. Um I haven't four? I haven't played it. Yeah, maybe four. Four no. The one with the crazy green. No, driver. All day. <laughs> Got it. All day. Got I want to be on the flat. I don't want to be on that down slope. True. Yep. True. Um yep. seven's the or not seven. <clears throat> eight's maybe the only one I won't. Just because for me as a lefty, if I pull it. Oh, that yeah. ball's going further, right? A pull's going for um, yeah, you're that, out of and bounds. that's going out of bounds, right? So like that's out of if a righty pulls it, he's just gonna pull it for, like left in the shit up in the trees up by the green. If I pull it like that is a chance to get a bound. So that's maybe one I would lay up, but uh besides that, I hit it everywhere. Um okay. most games, well that's my new strategy then. Yeah, just, let, just, well, just let it rip. I'll loop for you right. this year. I'm I'm coming up. I can't play since I'm one of my amps out back if I if I apply for it. So I'll I'll loop for you. Yeah, yeah. Take me at the Calcutta. Max got our last question. Yeah, Donnie, and obviously we we appreciate all the genuine answers. And I know you gain a lot of friends from the, or a lot of fans from the Who's Your Caddy podcast tonight. <laughs> uh, but as you look back, and obviously we'll see you in some more tournaments coming up. What's been your most memorable win, and why in your career? My most memorable win um, could be a team win too. Team win. Uh, t- most memorable win. Um, c- kind of have two. Um, I have a, I have a, I have a one A and a one B. My my one A is my top top. My one B is a close second. Uh, winning the state tournament as a team is something I really wanted to do. Um, you know, I, I won as an individual my junior year, um, and which was awesome and great. But you know. We had such a good team that year, and I felt bad for the the, the seniors that were there that year, um, Alex Woodhall and Derek Hellstrom, who were two great players. And, you know, for us to finish second, obviously to a great team in Alexandria, um, very deserving. But it was it was really hard to celebrate mine when our team lost. And that was something I really wanted to, to help bring not only Tonka, but also the, the guys on the team and John Coda, our coach. And so to be able to do that really meant a lot. And I took second. Um, I took second my senior year. I lost to Ryan Peterson, who was a great player. Um, and we battled for a long time. And um, I, I, I would lose it to him over and over if, if I could just win that team title. And so to do that and be able to give that to the boys was something I, I was really proud of. Um, but my, my top one, my most memorable win um, – my father passed away on uh, April 28th in uh, 2006, and um, f- I was supposed to play in a tournament on like May 4th or May 5th in uh, Wisconsin at Whistling Straits, at that Straits where I shot 69, and um, or maybe it was like May 6th, something like that, and I wasn't sure if I was going to play or not, and 
and my mom said that, you know, my dad would want me to play. And so we went up as a family. My cousins are from Chicago, my dad's brother and his family. And they came down from Chicago and I ended up winning like six days after my dad died. Um, and I actually wanted a playoff. Um, and, uh, we finished like the playoff finished in the afternoon at, at dark. And we were just like, there was a cart that could bring us back in. And I, I remember just wanted to walk. So we walked back with me and my family and, you know, um, it was something that really meant a lot to me. And, um, you know, to be able to do that right after my dad passed away and have my family there with me, was something that was pretty special for me. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. No, gosh, that, that hits home for us. I mean, Matt, my Mac, you guys want to say any closing thoughts? Just thanks for coming on. Uh, we really appreciate it. And uh, grab a couple, maybe, maybe more than a couple beers up at Resort. Yeah, I was uh, going to say, maybe we do. Uh, on us. On us. Yeah, definitely on us. No, maybe uh, we get out. And, uh, we'll get out and play this summer. Us four will get out. We'll we'll fire up the podcast while we're playing or something. We'll go play. I can't it. wait. I yeah. Um, a little repeat. Yeah, thing. actually, Winsong opens next weekend. It's going to be fun. We'll have to get out there. Yeah, but, let's uh, do it. I'm around. I'm not on the road as much, so give me a call. We'll yeah, get to you. I can't wait. And, um, you know, um, thank you so much for, for coming on the pod and, and giving us your insight. I mean, it's it's incredible. And then, you know, we know this isn't the last of Donna Constable. We we can't wait to see your your future progress, and uh, I respect the hell out of you, man. So uh, thanks for thanks for coming on. Well, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. It was a fun time, and like I said, we'll have to get out and play, and uh, we'll uh, fire up the podcast again, have a couple of beers, tell some more stories. I can't awesome. wait. Awesome. All, All right. right. Thanks, man. All right, thanks, boys. Donnie. No problem. Thanks a lot. Take it easy. Yeah. Likewise. See ya. See ya. Oh well, I. Uh... Hit balls for maybe 20 minutes, play a little bit, smoke four or five cigarettes, drink three Diet Cokes, and go to the first tee. Sundays, I won't even go to the range.